Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back. It's the Horns Up, talking Texas Fisher Disciples, DJ Nikki Snacks, Kreider. Big news for what is soon to be our former conference, the Big 12. Colorado is, Colorado is leaving the Pac-12, so we don't know what will happen with them, really, uh, them being the Pac-12 and returning to the Big 12 with Deion Sanders in 2024. Um, as Look, we're leaving. We're going to the SEC. It's in the rearview mirror, but I want to see the Big 12 left in a good state, and I still want it to be a conference, whereas I think the Pac-12 is is in serious danger of being dissolved. I think that we might see Oregon jump ship to the Big 10. That's like my next prediction My next prediction in domino to fall. Yeah. I mean, to follow suit with USC and UCLA, um, Oregon, I think, consistently has been probably the best team in that conference over the last 10 years. Is that fair to say? Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I would say so. I mean, they were good last year. Them or oh, Utah, honestly. Them or Washington. Yeah. Like, them and Washington. Washington have, made the playoff. With Browning, yeah. And they were good last year. They obviously beat us in the bowl game. Uh, Washington, Oregon, and Utah have been the most consistent. Like, UCLA has been good. They've had – they haven't been bad, UCLA, but they've had ups and downs – Cal has either been kind of mid or or not good. USC was mid, was good with Darnold, mid for with you know, for a long time with Clay Helton, and now is kind of obviously returned to prominence. But they still lost to Utah twice last year. Mm-hmm. So the Utes, the Ducks, and the Huskies are all I would say the most consistent teams over the past decade in the Pac-12. Um, just a gut check. I think Utah, honestly, if the Pac-12 does dissolve, which is Honestly, as the days go on, seem more and more likely. I think Utah to the Big 12 would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I could see it happening for sure. Um, yeah, if Pac-12 dissolves, then all those teams are going to look for conferences that can keep them relevant. You know, I'd be curious to see what happens to the Arizona and Arizona State schools. Um, you know, what's Stanford going to end up doing? I could see them, you know, joining uh, the Big 10 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could see them and I could see them in Oregon doing a Big Ten because Stanford, while they haven't been as relevant the past couple of years, there's a lot of times where they are relevant in in basketball and in baseball as well. Like they they compete strongly in other sports, um, right outside of the football arena. Or does a new conference arise? You know, because like, are we really going to sit here and say that it's just going to be four big conferences? SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10. Um, there's a lot of colleges out there. And, I mean, I think they want to keep the Power 5, you know, moniker alive, especially with how big our country is. And, I mean, obviously you can't have Pac-12 schools going to the ACC. It just doesn't make sense geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Same with SEC. Really, the only conferences you go to is big 12 and big 10 and that's still pretty far for a lot of these california pacific coast schools so 
if they could figure out a way to salvage the Pac-12, then it'd be interesting. Maybe adding San Diego State to the mix. I mean, that's something that's you know an easy fix because they've got such a good basketball program and their football's you know not been terrible either. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, you could add you could add them. You could also add Boise. Yeah, Boise, Boise State, State. Um, New Mexico for hoops. Yeah, UNLV maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at there. That's still that's I mean like you're kind of really just picking through the trash at that point. <laughs> Fresno. Yeah, Fresno State. Uh Man, oh Gonzaga. Yeah, but they would have to, yeah, I mean, I guess how many how many non football schools are in the power five? Are there any? They... Does the, the ACC have any? No. Yeah, all the football teams. Well, there you Wake, go. Wake, UNC, Duke, they all have teams. I mean, Gonzaga is so good at basketball, though, that like you could salvage the Pac-12 hoops. Pac-12 is more as good as the football. High, like USC obviously has been great football, you know, for our, the existence of college football. Um, and Stanford and Oregon have been really fun teams. When I think of the Pac-12, I always think of hoops for some reason, like UCLA basketball, Arizona basketball, like. The basketball programs, by and large, are re, are or more are more national figures at least in the last fifteen years. Uh, so I think adding a Gonzaga to the mix in hoops would be interesting. If you're tr- if you're trying to if you're trying to like find ways to salvage and like you're picking through the trash, trying to find a box of French fries that's kind of untouched by the by the flies. Yeah, unfortunately, they just have this uh, crippling, um, y- you know thing working against them where they're work where they're you know airing their games when people are going to sleep on the east coast i mean that's just never going to be able to be combated unless you want to start your games you know crack a dawn do it earlier but that's really what they're you know up against when it comes to kind of keeping the conference alive and at the end of the day these conferences want, or these teams want to make as much money as possible with their broadcasts and where they air their games and so if you move over to a bigger conference that has a bigger TV deal and can get you more revenue for your university, you're going to take that. And obviously, you know, keep your your team more competitive in a more competitive conference. Yeah, you're never going to win with the East Coast, the East Coast viewership and the Central Time viewership unless you started playing those teams. Because even if you moved like, OK, let's say USC started their football games at 1 p.m. every Saturday. It's 4 p.m. on the East Coast. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, these teams are playing then. Like, you're not, you can't, like, it's the East Coast is Big Ten in the North. On the, on tour, as you get south, it's ACC and SEC. Like, you, and those teams play then. You know what uh, conferences kind of remind me of? Kind of reminds me of, okay, the overarching government is the NCAA. That's the United States government. Mm-hmm. And then each conference has their own state government, right? They abide by their own rules, they kind of have their own you know, uh, people in place in power. It's kind of reminds me of, but if you really want what's best for the country, if you really want what's best for college football, maybe you do a situation where kind of like interleague play does in, in football and in the NFL and, and like they do it in major league baseball where each team from each conference has to play at least one other team from every conference in the power five throughout the season. Yeah, it's a little weird that it's like your preseason games are are a little bit more competitive and kind of get more viewership and eyes around. Well, we go to the big house next year. 
Like we play Michigan, we play Ohio State. Like we're we're doing it, but we schedule those games on our own. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, you know, scheduling Colorado to play against Penn State, right? And then also playing against Georgia, and then like, and like that's actually like a requirement for your schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would maybe like not that. all five, maybe not like four, because that's four games, you know, at a conference that you need to fit into your schedule. That would maybe call for expanding your season, or you know, just taking away conference games. Mm. LSU and Florida State are playing this year, which is exciting. They played it last year, so they have that again this year. But I would love it if it was a more mandated, like you're saying, Nick, like you have to do this. Like Georgia, you have to. I know you play a tough SEC schedule, but at least suit up against Oregon like you did last year or, or suit up again. If you don't want to play Oregon again, suit up against Utah. Like let's see how Utah comes out of the gate against the Georgia team. Let's see how Utah comes out of the gate against a Something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, but they're already doing that. I mean, there are no. It is being done, but I feel like there could be a more organized way. Yeah, I think those universities, especially the ones that are not consistently in the college football playoff, like are where you're probably going to get the most pushback, right? You know, a school mm-hmm. like Colorado, a school like you know, Dion is starting his tenure there, and he wants to. He doesn't want to have the toughest road, not yet, right? He wants to get there and at least know that his team can compete from a recruiting standpoint and then maybe introduce something like like Nick is proposing. Like, I just think that there's a lot of teams that would be like, yeah, I'd rather not play like a team from the Big Ten, the SEC, if I'm in the Big 12. Like, maybe I'll play one of them, maybe, if we want, or if mm-hmm. we don't want to because we want to – have a tune-up game instead before we play the games that really, really matter. Because as long as the conferences exist in the college football format, like it's important to win your conference. Yeah, you have to. Yes, you have to win your comp. Like, like, like that's like anything. Like we before we got on the show, we were talking a little baseball. Like the Twins would be in last place in the AL East, but that doesn't really matter to them. They don't care. Like all they have to worry about is winning the AL Central, and you're in the playoffs, right. and then it's anybody's dance. Like the thing. I'm looking at the. I was pulling up some of the exciting games that you know are potentially coming up, and I could show you guys here on the presenter. Find it. Um, ah, yes, there we go. Like, obviously, these are the exciting games coming up. Bama, Texas. We know that we've talked about. We will talk about that ad nauseum. I just mentioned uh, FSU versus LSU, which is a really good game last year. Ohio State this time goes to Notre Dame. Freeman's first game as a coach last year was against Ohio State. They played them pretty tight. So, I mean, you're Notre Dame and, you know, you're, you play USC, you play Clemson. You have a lot of tough games if you're Notre Dame all of a sudden. And we've kind of, you know, poo-pooed their schedule and their scheduling uh, over the past few years and said they've had a cupcake schedule and an easy walk into the playoffs a lot of the times. But all of a sudden you have Ohio State, Clemson, and USC – and if you're Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, you know, with your new quarterback, Sam Hartman, if you win these games, you're going to be in a position to go to the college football playoff for sure. Yeah. No doubt. You got Notre Dame Clemson, like I just mentioned, Washington at Michigan State. This one is similar to, I mean, these two teams play every year in North Carolina, South Carolina, um, I think. I um, could be tripping. Um, Florida, Utah, Utah, Baylor. I mean, Utah is like, like, I think Utah is scheduling these two games. Like, okay, 
these are not the cream of the crop in either of their conferences, but they're both really competitive teams in Baylor and Florida. Yep. And all of a sudden you're Utah and you go, nobody takes us seriously. Like at the top of the show, Nick was talking Pac-12 and these Oregon is the most consistent team. And honestly, like Utah, but people always forget to throw Utah and give them the respect they deserve. And the Utes have been really good the past five years and maybe even longer. And scheduling these games, hey, if you go into Baylor uh, or you go and you get the win against Florida at home, and then a couple weeks later you go into Waco and you win that game, yeah, you're not beating OU, Texas at their best, or they're defending a Big 12, you know, K-State or TCU. But Baylor is a really strong team, and, and they were in the Big 12 championship a couple years ago. And won it. Florida, you know, yeah, they're not the Florida of, of the mid-2000s, but it's still the Florida Gators. So these are really – they're doing the right thing because they have to get that notoriety. And it, it's just another example of, like, the Pac-12 not getting the respect or not not enough eyes on it. This game's kind of a joke. West Virginia, Penn State. A&M versus Miami could be very telling for two programs that are trying to get back to it. UCF, Boise State is cute. Uh, this is actually, I think, I mean, I don't know. I know I've been kind of, you know, juicing Minnesota a little bit lately, but this is a really interesting game too for, for North Carolina, uh, who also has high expectations. Um, and then Oregon tech, Oregon tech is fun. Tech could be decent. Yeah. And that was just what on three had, um, it's the presenting cool is done. Yeah. Um, watching a lot of those. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, other news for the horns, uh, Gary Patterson mulling a return. I think that'd be massive. Yeah. You can never have enough firepower on your staff. And you saw what he did for our defense last year. You know, I think we were one of the best defenses in the big 12, if not the best. And uh, wasn't a coincidence that it was the year he joined the staff after having a, a down year the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's paramount um, to bring Gary Patterson back. Like you're saying, if everyone gives you their two cents in the world, you'll have four hundred million dollars, and you just you know just have to sark what to do with the money at that point. Uh, and having PK and Patterson working together again on a defense that is pretty much—I mean, we lost guys to the draft, but a lot of the guy we have Anthony Hill coming in. I think that'd be really helpful to have a guy like Gary Patterson as well in his year. Um, Baron Sorrell had a great year. Jalen Ford had a great year. Uh, there's a lot of guys in the defensive backfield that had really strong years and were bringing Catalan. Getting all these guys in the mix with Gary Patterson um, in a year where our defense could easily be the best in the Big 12 is, is going to be big and keeping that continuity because you don't want to see guys. Guys are always going to leave your staff in college football. Like we're just pretty much counting down the days till we lose to Char Choice. You know, we know it. He's a great coach. He's well-liked and well-respected. Like someone will give him an offensive coordinator job if it's not us. And someone will ultimately give him a head coaching job. Like he won't be at Texas forever. So there's always guys moving and shaking on your staff, but having as much continuity as possible, especially for the young defense that performed really well for the first time in a long time. Our defense wasn't the issue. Like we're saying, having Gary Patterson there is pretty huge. Yep. I agree. Daniel. Yeah. Is it kind of like weird? Like long term, I mean, Garrett Patterson's sixty three. Do we feel like he just he wants to coach as a head coach somewhere else, and he just will, didn't feel like Passing there were the time. available offers that he he wanted to entertain? I think he's in a situation where he Can doesn't he want done? to jump. No, no, no. I think it's a situation. I, I, I mean, I think he's sticking around because he wants to coach eventually again, right? Maybe it's a time to take some time off, you know, and 
not stress about being a head coach and, you know, focus on what's important, you know, maybe enjoy your family life a little bit. Obviously Austin's a great city to, you know, chill at for a little bit, but I think he's in a situation where he doesn't want to just take any job, right? Like we saw that with Les Miles, like we saw that with uh, Herm Edwards, right? Like you saw that with Kevin Sumlin after Texas A&M, like you don't want to just take any job that could mm-hmm. literally just cement you into the ground. Mm-hmm. Because when you go from one university and you take so much time off, you become irrelevant. And then you take, you know, a random mid-major school that's not really contending and not competitive. You're really kind of just putting the nails inside your own coffin. Like he might wait for a really big opportunity to open up. Maybe, you know, let's say, man, I don't know, God forbid Harbaugh wants to leave and go to go to Miami or, or go to um go to the NFL, right? And like let's say, you know, the Miami job opens up or something like that, you know. Like those are jobs that are something you wait for. You don't want to just take an Arizona State. You don't want to just take a Wyoming. You don't want to just I don't know if he has that choice anymore. I like he's sixty three. He he went to you know seventies. Saban's a winner. He's the he's it's Nick Saban. Do you know where he went to college? Off the top of my dome, Gary Patterson. He went to Kansas State, and he's from Kansas. Now, I I imagine that that probably that feels like a job that would be really enticing to him. It's within a conference he's already coached at. It'd be returning closer to where he grew up and where he went to college, his alma mater. Um, it's a competitive team. It's a competitive program. Chris Kleiman is uh, 30 and 20 in his going into his fifth year uh, as the head coach for the the Kansas State Wildcats. Obviously, I think the expectations for them this year are relatively high. Um, but 30 and 20 is not a fantastic record for his tenure there. So I don't know. I don't know what the pressure is like. Just in the the murmurs and conversations. Um, in Manhattan around around their current coach and what would happen if they were only to win seven games this season, um, as opposed to getting to the the big 12 title game or winning, you know, nine games, which I feel like is the expectation that a lot of people have for the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one that he's kind of holding out for to figure out what goes on there. Um, Cause obviously we've seen that happen time and time again, where a coach who played somewhere, he also started his coaching career there. Um, Gary Patterson did as a, as a GA. So that would be interesting. K-State has their out of conference guys or UCF and Missouri. So they have some fun ones too. I, I climbing, he went 10 and four last year. Like, and he, the, the fourth loss is, is, uh, is in the bowl game. And he won the big 12 championship game. Like it, I think his job is pretty safe. And if oh. you're Gary Patterson, like you have to, stay stay relevant by coaching like i'm sure like look yeah he would love one of those jobs and i think he did a really great job at tcu and it's probably a bit of a sting to see in the first year you're gone them go to the national champ whether they got crushed or not go to the national championship game but he's still got he should still be relevant if texas is great and he's a part of that you may not get the head coaching job you want but he could get a defensive coordinator job or he at a really good school he could then find himself on Bama staff as a DC or mm-hmm. under oh, working with Kirby Smart. And look what that did for Sark, right? 
That was really beneficial for Sark. He got him the head coaching job at Texas. What a different Bill O'Brien. Got it back to the NFL as the offensive coordinator for the, for the Patriots. So you gotta, he's kind of got to rework himself up a little bit before he can go get those big-name jobs. But I think coming back to this tab is important. Last thing I want to discuss with y'all is I just want to quickly throw this up. New recruit offensive lineman uh, Danny Cruz, uh, big boy, and seemingly a pretty funny boy as well. Uh, he was seen rocking the shirt after his commitment. It says, I'm horny. With the Texas, <laughs> with the Texas awesome. logo. He's That's rocking awesome. this around campus. And you know what? Like, Gotta love high schoolers. But you, I just, I don't know. I feel like we're less grovelly when it comes to recruiting, like begging these guys, needing these guys. Like guys actually want to come here and have fun. Like, look, there's there's a time where you have to, you know, shut up and, you know, get to work and play and, and result on the field, like, you know, and win games. But, like, we want guys to come here and enjoy Austin like we enjoyed Austin, come here and have a blast and enjoy their college experience and love being a member of the team. And it seems like, you know, a lot of these guys are excited to be here. Like I see guys on, I see that some of the recruits on Twitter tweeting at like other recruits who haven't decided yet. Like they're actively recruiting. They're actively enjoying like the recruiting process and seeing Danny Cruz come in here and just throw a shirt on like that and rock it. It's hilarious. Like you want your, like you want your offensive lineman to be like that. Mm-hmm. These fun loving guys. And then hit the, hit the trenches and they mean absolute business. Like look at Jason Kelsey um, and the Eagles offensive line. They made a Christmas album. Like, you know, and then they, the, they're the best offensive line in the league. So it's real fun. That was a good one. So I think, I, I think Sark allows for that in a way that, you know, the former coaches that we've had have not necessarily allowed for that kind of fun to be had by our players. Um, it's college it's, football. It is college football. Yeah. That's right. It's college football. Like, you're not a professional. I mean, I know you're getting paid now, but you're not a pro. I and mean, you're right. Like, Herman was piss test. Charlie was scared from the jump. Like, we just, I mean, some of it's just a different approach that these guys took. And a lot of it has to do with the pressure that you have to retain the job once you become the, the head coach for the Texas Longhorns. And yeah, I, uh, I hope that this method pays off. Because yeah. it seems like the guys are excited to be there, like you're saying. And it, it's not it, – it's just – it's being displayed and it's being marketed in a way that it wasn't prior. Because it's not mm. to say that any of those guys that were Texas Longhorns before Steve Sarkeesian's regime were not excited about being here and were not excited about donning the burn orange and white. But, um, yeah, it is. It, it excites the fans and excites us, of course, talking about the team. And – it makes us feel like these guys love playing football and love playing for each other and love playing for the university, which is exactly what you want to see. But mm-hmm. again, I mean, it's, it's just beating the drum. Got to get it done. Got to get, get it done. done. But you get it done by like guys being boys. Like how many times have you heard other athletes say like, we were all friends and it helped our play. Like we hung out, we were cool with each other. We liked being around each other all the time. Like, yeah, it's all the time. It's it family. makes the, it you makes fight the harder for your brothers. Yeah, you like the a relationship matters more. Like it's just you know the long and short of it. Uh, cool, quite cool, harder cool. when you're winning too. Yeah, 
yes, you eventually have to win. <laughs> um, all right, we'll see everybody next week. Just wanted to talk a little big Big 12 realignment. It's exciting that Colorado's going to be there. Happy that Dion's going to be there. Keep some eyes on our old, what it is soon to be our old conference. Uh, and hopefully Colorado can make a nice comeback under Dion Sanders. There's already some recruits going there as well. Huckam Horns, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.